0: Hello and welcome to episode six of the Second Cup Show. I am so thrilled to be able to introduce my friend Kimberly Finney onto this show today. Um, Kimberly is the founder of the Way Back to Ourselves, which is a really lovely literary community community of creatives, um, artists, writers believers, seekers, thinkers, all of the above, um, a really, really beautiful community that I am thrilled to be a part of. Um, and so I've been hoping to have Kimberly onto this show for a while now, and here we are speaking face to face and she has her dog Harper Lee sitting at her feet who also might make an appearance. Um. And so I just want to offer you a super warm welcome here at The Second Cup, where we believe in making peace with being human. Um, And on that note, Kimberly, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about your story about making peace with being human.
1: I First of all, thank you for having me. I'm giddy because you're a friend to me. And dear and then to be able to connect how we have and to finally be able to make this happen. Um mm. has, is great. We we were doing a pre-show and then we realized, oh, we actually have to do <laughs> the show. We gotta hit record. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, my dog uh she could sleep the whole time or she could she could make an appearance. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so
0: we're here for it, whatever Yeah, she does. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, we were talking about authenticity all the way. I've got my coffee. Um, right, because I'm a night owl. I know you're on your last shift because you said yeah. you've been up all all night almost. And oh yeah, <laughs> um, with the kiddos. But yeah, I'm ready to go. But yeah, I'm Kimberly Finney, and it's been a wild ride for the past few years. Uh, I would not be here talking with you if I hadn't gotten incredibly sick. I mean, that's that's the truth of it. I would be still in my classroom here in Tampa you know, living that, that life. And, and I felt called to it and I could have just stayed there forever. I'm very much like a bloom where you're planted kind of a gal. And, um, but God had other plans and he, I, I don't believe at all that he's going around and smiting and, you know, I can see how people can feel so angry when horrible things happen. I have been at that point, but it was just, I, um, it's, it's biology, right? We have the gift of life and the flip side of that is death. And we have the gift of light. The flip side is darkness. And so to give one good gift, you have to have the full picture, you know, you said making peace with being human. That's something that I've been through with my illness. And a lot of people who are listening, you know, probably know a little bit because we're all connected, which is really great. But for people who aren't, um, Connected here or familiar with my story, I'll just give like a really fast, you know, 30 second bird's eye view of beauty from ashes story that I've had endometriosis since the beginning, um, since I was a teenager, but it's wildly um, impossible to diagnose without surgery. So you have to get to the point where you're pretty severe to have a surgery. Right. So I have been living with it since I was a teenager and it progressively got worse and, and worse. And I couldn't have children for a really long time, had miscarriages. And we knew it all had to do with these things. And it was wreaking havoc on me and e- extreme fatigue, you know, headaches, depression, anxiety. And then I was starting to have like blood sugar problems. And we didn't really understand why because I'm not diabetic, but why do I have this horrific hypoglycemia? Just really, all these strange things happening to someone who was really healthy, uh, otherwise, like you know, exercising, eating well, it was just a curiosity. And at the time, everybody had always said, Oh, endometriosis is just like a female disease, it's just painful periods, but it's actually so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it attacks the whole body when it gets to the point that it's stage four, which is what I have. And after we had Hadley miraculously, that's my daughter, um, which is wild. You know, she's here. It's still wild. Every time I look at her, I, I feel like I'm with a little angel, you know, and, and even her demeanor, she is just so tenderhearted, and an old soul. And I just feel like she was God's gift. Um, like every parent, but I do think that if you go through an infertility story, and that's your one and only, it adds another part to the story, you know, um, another layer.
0: And can I interject for just oh, a second? You're go saying ahead. that it's reminding me about our original connection which was that you are a contributor for the Truly Co magazine. Yes, I figured we might get to that point. Ah, and you wrote <laughs> a beautiful article. Yes, about, about her. About her. And as you're talking about that, yes, uh, I can't believe that slipped to my mind. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah.
1: So, Fallow Ground is the article that ran in Truly Co recently. And so Deidre became a great buddy of mine immediately because one, she's extremely talented, but there are a lot of talented people out there and they're not necessarily as kind (laughs) as they are talented. And you were so kind and gentle and sharpened my essay. And this is coming from an English teacher, English professor, fellow editor. And I just appreciated your talent and the, little sisterhood that came out of that. And then it just, it's been what about a year or so since we first connected, I, I'm not good at keeping track of time, something, something but, like that. yeah. But so Fallow Ground is an essay in there and it, it talks about long-term infertility. And then finally the blooms of finally having my daughter, but then wanting it to have mass appeal to any walk of life for a woman is a lot of times we're in waiting seasons. And the endometriosis was absolutely a waiting season. So I'll be really brief in this last part, which is I've had multiple surgeries um, for over the past few years. The second one, I got sepsis and became extremely ill and it did not correct anything. It actually made everything much worse. Organs healed and attached together. I was really just fighting for my life if I wasn't going to get a radical surgery. And I ended up having that about two years ago. And so that was a third one. And we were hoping that that would be it. I went back to work and I started to get more and more ill and could barely even take myself. And one thing led to another. I collapsed in March of 2023, which is so weird to say because we were just in 2023, but March of last year. Wow. And Yeah. So we're, we're talking about 10 months ago.
0: It's not and that long ago.
1: No, no, not at all. And so I, I had to leave my job. Uh, I was too, too sick and, and some things and then got a professor job online. The Lord has been so good to me. What's super crazy, though, is I birthed or he birthed through me the way back to ourselves before I lost my job and while I still thought I was going to be able to fight my way back to that place and that community and the lord he knew like his plans are better mm-hmm. and so the way back to ourselves is only it's in its infancy um august of 2022 so we're talking a year and a half ago is when i made the website and i joked <laughs> that i said maybe have like 50 friends that read my blog. Like that would be great. And it really would. Yeah, truly. And I had a mentor of mine be like, oh, you're, you're crazy. This is going to reach people. You have a story to tell. He didn't tell me it was crazy. He actually told me that, you know, I I had something wonderful to give. And the Lord was going to use me in that as painful as losing this other community I was in for almost 10 years and what I was going through. That the Lord was going to use this story in, in my talents in a different stage. And so. um, it's just wild. And I know we'll probably get to what we're talking about. When we say a different stage. So, but that's that's the overview. I hope I did okay.
0: <laughs> you did great. Thank okay. you. Has a little bit of background on your story. Yeah. Um your what were you saying? Was it a colleague, a mentor, a friend who had said Oh, a mentor.
1: His name's Mr. Michael. He's still in my life. He's like a father figure to me.
0: I was going to say, I feel like the Mr. Michaels in our lives, I was just having this conversation with somebody else today about how sometimes that is what it takes is for somebody else to see something in us and then to call it out. And it kind of awakens something inside of us. Um, And I've had people do that for me too. Yes. And hearing you say that makes me want to be one of those people who, when I see something in somebody, instead of just thinking it to myself and moving on, I want to be really intentional. In not intentional. <laughs> hey,
1: can we int- coin that as a new word? That's great.
0: <laughs> intentional about, um, you know, giving that gift of yeah. encouragement. Absolutely.
1: And I I would say that, that you're really hitting something there with me because as an English teacher, you know, working with high school kids, I taught AP. I ran a department. My favorite thing to do is to see those little sparks in somebody and be like, hey, you're really good at this. Yeah. And I, um, I I think I was really, really comfortable and felt so called to be Ananias. And Ananias was called to clear the mud from Paul's eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that Saul becomes Paul. And then Paul is the one on the big stage. He, You know what I mean? And so sure. I would always tell my students, you're going to go be Paul's and I just want to be your Ananias, you know, and, mm. and and just kind of like point out those things and help you clear up your eyes and help you see what God's made you to do. And to tell you all those things that people said about you were just dead wrong. Like you actually can do these things like don't listen to the naysayers. So. Um, That was my favorite thing to do. And I would use English as an opportunity to encourage and come beside people. And I feel like that's at the heart of the way back to ourselves. And I don't think you can really read my sign, but it says you belong here.
0: And that was something on Instagram.
1: Yeah. So that's what it says. And so that was something that we coined in my classroom and I had it on my board and so it just felt like this is the new classroom, and I want to be able to be an encourager and an Ananias to many other people. And the irony is, is that God has allowed some Paul moments in my life. I feel like a little bit. So
0: yes, and I want to talk about some of those Paul moments. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I just want to say that I feel, first of all, maybe that's a reason why we're kindred spirits. It's the yes. The, Educator in both of us, um, because probably most people watching this show know this as well. But I, before I started doing the second cup full time, I was an elementary teacher, so I taught fourth and fifth graders reading and writing. But I think, like, once an English teacher, always an English teacher. There's we're a certain breed, <laughs> um, but I will say that I feel so thankful to you and to the way back to ourselves, um, because I feel like you had an Ananias moment with me. And, um, when I was able to submit a poem for the poetry contest last year, and I had just like never shared my poetry really anywhere. And, but I have lots and lots and lots of it. And it was just something I enjoyed. And so on a whim, I had just, sent a few poems because I was like, oh cool, there's a cash prize. Like that's fun. I'll just send some in and just see what happens. And you'll just get it. <laughs> and then when I got the email or whatever it was that said that I had won the storytelling contest, I was like, what? <laughs> um but that was one of those moments that made me feel so encouraged and gave me so much confidence that I was like, whoa, maybe if somebody saw something in this poem or these poems, maybe there's something in some other poems. And maybe I can begin to believe that my poetry um, could could mean something to people, to other people. Um, and that was just such a liberating realization. And I have you and the editors at the way back to ourselves to thank for that. So I am walking living proof that that is the work that you're doing at the way back to ourselves. And I know that I'm grateful for it, but a lot of other people are too inside the community.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, you are so talented and you have a beautiful, beautiful voice. You really do. And I think that my opinion might mean something after having like 2000 students and, and reading so many, right. you think about that. Yeah. Um, But trust me, your, your writing was beautiful. You gave us goosebumps. And a a funny thing with me, with the teacher's heart is the editors actually have to read me back because I don't like to say no to really anybody. It's that teacher's heart, you know, you, you get a poem and you're like, Oh, you know, they need to grow. And then for me, I'm like, well, maybe we could squeeze in some time to mentor this person. And I did do that with a couple of people for th- this awesome. past uh, one because I just my heart's so big and I know the, what a yes means, you That's know, awesome. so it's a different kind of literary journal. And the fact that in, in the platform is that this is this is Christ centered, people centered first mm-hmm. um, community service, uh, caring. It's it's about collaboration. There is no competition. Um if one of us wins, everybody wins, you know, and, and I love to highlight you guys, you know, anybody who's become part of that community and connecting and and to just celebrate the beautiful things that we're putting out into the yeah. world.
0: And I feel that you do that really faithfully and um, that's cool because um, this is actually something that I, this is kind of a great segue into something I wanted to talk to you about. There's so much I want to talk to you about, Kimberly. I'm going to try to like stay focused. We can, um, we can talk real fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was, what I'm trying to say is that I love what a supportive community, um, that you've built at the way back and that truly i feel and i know a lot of other people feel that it's not a place of competition even though it's a lot of creatives coming together who want to share what they've been given um and that is not always the case that is that is rarely the case actually um on the internet and on social media and um in the past i don't know quarter maybe quarter of the year I have been feeling really really conflicted um about being being somebody who feels like I want to share about Jesus um and I want to glorify him and somebody who wants to also create for the sake of creating because it brings me joy and delight and um But who is also hearing these messages, um, even in, like, the Christian genre, right, that we have to be building our own platform in a way, almost. Um, And the idea of Christian celebrity has just Mm -hmm. been making me feel, honestly, a little bit sick um, because it feels like – It's icky, right? And it's Mm -hmm. the it's the opposite of Christ's heart. But then we are told, as people who create, that we must almost become one of these Christian celebrities if we want to be heard and share the message that's been put on our heart. And something there doesn't feel right. Um, And it reminds me of a really great article that I read from Ecstasis. Um, I wish I could. Say who the author was. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about um, Christian leadership specifically and the difference between um, shepherding the sheep or um, using the sheep um, almost as like a, a, like stepping on the sheep, right? Like, stepping yeah, like commodifying. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. so Basically, are the are we serving the sheep or are the sheep serving us, you know? And um, I don't really have a specific question around this, but I just wanted to pick your brain about what you think about this topic. I It's such a tricky, tender balance to walk.
1: I mean, I, I do feel like I need to come back and we can like have a part two at some point because there's so much to unpack here. Wow. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's a big reason why I have shunned a lot of this for so long mm-hmm. and still feel a level of discomfort uh, in having an Instagram and, and things like that. Uh, really quickly, I walked away from all social media, all of it, uh, for six years Up after I had my daughter. And then I, I'm peace out. You know, like I. That sounds so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I was super convicted. Like the Lord was mm-hmm. like, just, just tend to your people in real life. You have no business being on here, but I, I'm not sharing that to make a judgment call or to show you what a big fat hypocrite I am. Cause <laughs> hey, that's not what it is. But the Lord calls us to different things at different times. And I do now feel called, but mm-hmm. what matters is the why. Yeah. And so when I quit everything and I, I, I made a very intentional decision because we just had our miracle baby. I'm going to put my doctorate on hold. I'm going to put any kind of writing on hold. I'm going to have a small, quiet, private life. Then I got sick and I, my daughter is going to turn seven in a couple of weeks. So I've been sick four years out of her life. So Mm -hmm. the majority of her life, but then the whole reason why I came back was I wanted to connect with people that, gosh, I almost you know had sepsis. You have like a 50% chance of survival when it gets to that point. And facing down your own mortality, I was like, I'm just going to jump on and let people know I'm okay, because that was kind of buzzing around. I had a lot of roots in the community, a lot of students. And so I did that. And then people were just flabbergasted. They're like, we wondered where you went. And gosh, what a testimony. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to get off. And then the Lord gave me something else to say. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, and it's the conflict and I feel it still. But I did, I did pull a couple of things that I think would be really enriching. Well, one, the great irony of you asking me about this is Mary DeMuth. Yeah, I know you follow her, right?
0: Also a truly contributor.
1: Yeah. Okay. So she's, so you know her, you're familiar. I, I know her from a distance and through Jodi Grubbs, who's getting her work published. That's her literary agent. But she's a writer, editor, literary agent, and she just posted, and it was before I even saw what you said, and I'm kind of looking that at my notes, but she made uh, a post about there's a crisis in the American church mm-hmm. and in Christian publishing specifically because it is becoming about platform and celebrity and influencer and things that were so opposite of Christ's heart. So it's like, how do you live in this you know, gray area yeah. and how do you do it? And so I, I was thinking about that and chewing on it. And I, I had to go back to Tozer, which I know you're reading him right now. And mm-hmm. he's a huge influence on me. And then Spurgeon. Got my Tozer right here. Yeah, there you go. I just got my husband that book for Christmas. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, more kindred. Um, But Tozer says that let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called, and his work will be sacred at the work of the ministry or as the work of the ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular, it is why he does it. The motive is everything. And so, and you know, Spurgeon even says that nothing is secular, everything is sacred. You know, um, so can this be a really secular thing, you know, when Christians get off course and they start, you know, I don't know, hucking and jiving and dancing and doing a lot of things that might, I don't know, I guess they call it clickbait, you know, and, and things that get a lot of views. I think you have to go back to your why. And that's where I'm making my piece is I know really clearly why I've been called to this space. And when that gets hazy, then I need, I would know I need to step back. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I answered anything or.
0: No, I think that's, I think that is really the only answer to this question, right? Because what is right for any given individual is really based on what they've been called to Um, by the Lord. And the only way to know that is to spend time with him and Mm -hmm. to be obedient. Um, And I feel like I am the first to admit that I've had to spend a lot of time in the past couple of months kind of talking with God and trying to be really honest with him, -hmm. but also myself about like, okay, (laughs) when I do come to my computer, when I do work on this, this, this poetry, this Substack, these articles, this yada, yada, yada. Am I doing it because I want to be glorifying him? Am I doing it because I'm just being obedient to what he has told me to do, whether it's coming right out and sharing about him or not? Um, Or is it because I want to get positive feedback? Is it because I am hoping to grow my following so that I feel great about myself? and these things, saying them out loud is not really that comfortable, but I think it's good as creatives to, to just talk about these things because I think it's so easy to get pulled into that self-promotion yes. um, without even noticing it and then t- just looking around and being like, oh my word, like what have I been doing? Because it almost... It's something that enslaves us, right? Like instead of being free, we are just like enslaved to how many likes did I get? Um, what were people's, what, how do people respond? And if they didn't respond the way I hoped they would, it's a bad day. You know, that is just a right. way to live. Um, yes. And that is something that I've been really convicted of. Yeah. As of late as well, especially since reading Tozer, but I could go on about that.
1: Yeah. And I think that, too, is like knowing yourself and having certain rules, you know, with yourself, because it can very easily be like the toad in the broiler, you know, where you throw them in and then you slowly turn up the temperature, Mm -hmm. you know, and they have no clue and you you can cook your toad. But if you throw them into a hot pot, have you heard about that one? That's that's must be an old New Englander thing for my family. But if you throw them into a hot pot, right, he'll jump right out. And I think for us, we have to be so careful that we don't do that to ourselves, that we're slowly, you know, turning up the heat and doing things that compromise us tiny bit by tiny bit. And then
0: that is so (laughs) disturbing and unsettling, but like a very perfect analogy. Well, yeah, well, it's not mine, but, (laughs) but it's, it's
1: a, it's an old saying, but it's the idea of like, you know, you don't realize what's surrounding you. Because you just yeah. slowly turn up the temperature. And so for me, like, I know there's a few things. For instance, for me personally, I'll share little bits about my family and my daughter. Mm-hmm. But like, I like a little thing here, a little thing there, primarily in stories because they disappear. But I've made a rule that the vast majority of us, we're going to be private. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be throwing up a ton of videos, little things here, little things there. That's just something for me, you yeah. know, that I don't want to ever get to that point. Where I've seen kind of, you start selling your your family or a lifestyle or trying to make it look like you have it all. I right. just see there's like a big temptation with that. So a good posture too is to try to be the anti that. Like If you know that that's hmm. where there could be a hook, right? For me, especially I've seen with women on Instagram, because I came back in late. I've only been on for a little while. I was very shocked by how things have changed. And um, just the temptation that's there. And then you forget that this is about faith. You forget it's about serving. You forget that it's about substance. And so like a little thing is, you know, faith over being fake, substance over the sparkle, and giving over getting.
0: Is that on your laptop?
1: I, I I posted the other day when I read Mary DeMuth. I was like, oh, I, I shared it and I said, it really, if I could just add to it, but I, I can't. She said it so beautifully, but that's really what it comes down to is, am I showing faith right now or am I trying to put out something that's not authentic, you know? And then, is this of substance? Is it is it biblical? Does it point the arrows, you know? All arrows are pointing where? You know, is it to yourself or is it to goodness and, and, you know, Philippians, like what's noble, what's praiseworthy, what's truthful, what's beautiful, Mm -hmm. or is it like, Hey, navel gazing, you know, looking at myself, which is something you just wrote about the other day. Yes. And, and just where are we looking? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I found (laughs) at least for me, the more, the more time I spend looking at myself seriously the more miserable i become it's so true it's i that's what i had written last week in my post um on the second cup was that it's like a form of self torture spending time so absorbed in ourselves like it just becomes miserable
1: and i think that that's what's leading to the mental health crisis because you know especially for younger people who don't even have a chance to develop theory of the mind. And they don't understand that other people have deeply complicated feelings and lives and they don't understand who they are. And they have these phones in their hands before they even, you know, form their own personhood. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and then even adults, you know, we can slide into that. So you have to be so vigilant
0: yeah.
1: and like, and I don't want to act like I have all the answers, I don't want to act like I'm perfect. I know I need to improve the relationship I have with my phone because it's a big social outlet for me, especially through my illness. But now as I'm getting better, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to get out, you know, things I'm healing and I need to know when is this good and when is it not good and when do I need to have more time with the Lord? Because if if I'm going to serve um, or have something to say, the last thing I... I have no right to be here if I'm not doing the work, you know, on myself and in my faith and with my family, you know, what matters really at the end of the day is what they have to say. Yeah. Like me as a mom, as a wife, as a church member, as a friend, as a daughter. So.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a great, that's a great perspective and just a great truth to return to, um. At the end of the day, because sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Like if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm next to my husband, right? Like the kids are in bed and I'm sitting beside him and I just check my phone really quick. And then I just start responding to DMs or comments Mm -hmm. or something. And those things are lovely. There are people in the online community who I, who are very dear to me. Exactly. I mean, we're talking now. I've never gotten the privilege of like sitting with you in person, but you're still so dear to me. And so there's that piece, but then we need to balance that with my, 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 my real life husband is sitting beside me. And at the end of the day, he, he and my kids, you know, matter more than, more than any, Anybody combined on the internet, they have to, they have to, yes. that's what we are called to. Right. Um, and sometimes I have to give myself a little reality check and be like, okay, what am I ignoring so that I can be sitting here responding to my DMS and feeling. And called. I
1: think it, and, and for you and I too, cause we're, our stories are different, but we're also in transition because we're feeling called to this. And so I want this to be my work. And you do as well. So I am asking the Lord to help me navigate. Okay. It's it's work and it's ministry, but when do I put that down and spend time with him and spend, even though it's good and it's noble. And, but I think that that's what a lot of people in like ministry and service oriented jobs can run into. Like in teaching, I even did the same thing because there was always going to be a need. And my husband was like, You need you. You are not. This is at my old, old job I had. I was working with inner city kids for almost 10 years. Really violent, really dangerous. We couldn't get pregnant. We couldn't stay pregnant. And they all had really high needs. And so every day was deeply purposeful and just very tough. And it was that kind of thing where it's service oriented and you just want to give, give, give. But like you said, the people in your home need you. You need you. And if you have nothing to give, um, or if they're getting the short end of things, then it's out of order. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you. It is it is tricky, and and I definitely I think we'll both be going through that. Yeah. As we go on this journey.
0: <laughs> I think we're gonna have to schedule a part two to talk specifically about the work ministry balance and how yes. to, how to do that because that is what I'm always bemoaning. I'm like. I don't know how to do them both at the same time. Like, I want to get paid to do one thing and then do ministry over here because then it feels clear cut. Right. Um, And when they come together, it feels really confusing, if I'm being honest. Um, And so I'm always wanting to learn and get Mm -hmm. better and figure, figure it out. Um, so it's nice to have those conversations with others who are, are trying to figure it out too. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: but okay. So being mindful of the time that we have together, um, talk
1: into the, to the late hours. (laughs) I know.
0: I know. Um, and we have a captive audience, right? They're just, I know (laughs) (laughs) you're Um, stuck with us. That's right. But I really want to, before we say goodbye this time, I want to make sure that we talk poetry. Yes. um, Because you are an incredible poet, beautiful poet. You have some really exciting upcoming poetry things that I will let you share about. um, And I thought that it would be really, really fun for both of us to be able to kind of end this episode with some poetry, Um, because what is better than hearing some spoken word poetry? So can you tell us a little bit about your poetry news, Kimberly?
1: Yes. So I have, um, well, I actually have two exciting things and I'll, I'll be quick. One is I just came out with, and it's on my website in the store. So it's the to ourselves.com. The two is the number two, um, how to grow your writing life. And so while I was yes. working on that, which is my first course and it's printed, I'm going to move forward and do video and other courses and stuff. I've gotten a really warm reception. It's everything that I, the real, Bird's eye view of what I used to teach in my creative writing course that would help my kids get published and and um, I ended up getting a national award for teaching and stuff. So it's some of those tried and true things that have nurtured me, nurtured my students in that. So that's one really exciting piece that I've been quietly working on. And I'm doing past- that course. Yes,
0: I to it. I haven't made my way too far into it yet, but I am really looking forward. I'm I'm a few pages in. I was reading about the. Um, about how you have to read to write and yes. book list. And oh, it was so good. I was like, amen. Yes, yes. 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 It's all so
1: good. Thank you. And um, I want it to be a big, warm, encouraging hug that's full of things that will feed the writer mm-hmm. and their craft voice, but also their spirit, yeah. because it, there's a soul there that needs nurturing. So it's a great big love letter and hug to anybody who gets it. We have a launch team right now. I was hoping like, oh, maybe 20 will want to do it. We end up with 30. And I had to say, okay, we're gonna close. And awesome. And and yeah, so that's been really exciting. And quite a few people have gone on and purchased since I think we've almost done 50. Um, just in the past week or so. So that's very sweet. That's um awesome. and then the really huge, crazy news that I just can't believe is happening because it's I've dreamt of it since I was a little girl, is that my debut book of poetry, it's going to be published this spring. Yay! I know, it's crazy. I feel like I'm having an outer body experience right now sharing that. But with Whip and Stock, they're a great Christian publisher. Uh, They're really known for, they're very serious. They're known for like their (laughs) academics. Yeah, which actually works out for me because, you know, the professor like nerdy educator side of me um, an academic, I felt like it was a really good fit. We prayed about it. Um, but they do like beautiful artistic academic poetic work and they've been around for quite a while. And uh, yeah, they're a Christian publisher, they're very earthy and thoughtful and I, I got actually four offers and we had to kind of yeah. yes, so uh, read through and just pray and discern about what was right. I, I three were Christian, one was like a small boutique, one was like a midsize and then within stock and then the other one was fishing finishing line press, which is a really great. Uh, poetry, you know, uh, publisher. So, but we prayed and thought about it and that's kind of where we landed and I can't believe it's happening. I, I have my final manuscript sitting on my computer ready to be sent off probably in the next couple days. So of Wings and Dirt will come out probably in April, which is National Poetry Month. So that would be oh. kind of poetic. <laughs> yeah. <Yay! laughs> So.
0: Oh, man, I am foreseeing some serious celebration around all things poetry, but especially launching your book in April. That's yeah.
1: so and I'm so excited that your chat book is out. I ordered it and thank you. I can't and wait for it to arrive.
0: Kimberly wrote a really, really kind endorsement for my chat book, um, Kimberly and Nick, Nick Trandell. Am I saying his name right? Trend- yeah, I think that's, that's how I thought. Yeah. Sorry if I said that wrong. <laughs> um, but I kind of, you know, as two people in the Wayback community, I kind of had to go out on a limb and be like, actually, nobody's really read this, but it's getting published. And can you read it? And would you be willing to just like tell me what you think about it? And they wrote really, really kind um, endorsements. And yeah, I'm excited about it. It's combination of really thrilled really scared and really stunned. Like you were saying, like, it feels a little, um, I'm like, yeah, this is happening. But mm-hmm. it's like ha- my, my heart hasn't quite caught up with my head yet. Yes. On that, which I'm sure you can relate to. Yeah.
1: Just only this past week, it's felt tangible um, yeah. because it's been something I've been toiling away at for, you know, a year and a half. Yeah. And just doing it though to heal and for the Lord and to make some beautiful things. And you never think you're going to have this opportunity. And so, you know, then keeping it quiet for a while because I also get nervous about attention. So I kept putting it off and putting it off because I love to give attention to others, but then I always get a little squeamish when it's, I, I feel uncomfortable sometimes. Yes. Um, It's the teacher's heart. I'm so comfortable to have my students up there and I'll get up and hoot and holler for them. But then when it comes to me, I I get (laughs) I don't know what to do with myself. So I posted that and it was really exciting, though. I just did a picture. I'm not really a video person. I'm going to try to do better with that because I like it when people do it. I want to connect with them. Um, But I just didn't get the guts up. So I I posted (laughs) and shared while we were up in the mountains and people were extremely loving and kind and supportive, and that's when it started to feel real—not like some, like I'm a crazy lady in my, like I'm a crazy lady in my house just making up these things. You know what I mean? This is actually happening. Yes,
0: right. That is something. When I think you hit it perfectly. Like sometimes I think my own husband, like he totally supports me, but sometimes I. I think that he thinks like, oh, she's just writing her little poems again. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, he's super, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. He's thinking, um, and other people too. And so it feels so validating when, um, somebody else is like, yes, we're going to publish them. It's like, yes, I'm not just <laughs> a crazy person, like writing poems on the back of, um, uh,
1: napkins or
0: <laughs> napkins is the most pleasant thing I can think of that I've written on recently. like literally yeah. anything like dig me through the top of the trash to be like I need a piece of paper No. Now. or in your car yeah it's
1: a it's a because I mean I really believe like I I everybody's different some people have to slave for their poems but for me I think they're already out there and mm-hmm. I know I'm going to now really sound like the crazy lady in her attic but I just feel like oh. God is trying to actively reveal things to us Oh, and, like, yeah. you have to have that antenna. And if I don't, like, I'll tell my husband, like, I'm getting hit by a poetry Mack mm-hmm. truck right now. And he now gets it. Yep. And, like, if I don't go now, it's gone on the wind. Yep. Like, I, I have to catch it.
0: That's, so that's- a lot of my
1: poems have just blown out of me and people are like, oh, you know, crap. Like, how did you, I'm like, I literally was just reading a Billy Collins poem and it was beautiful to me. And I wrote a response to him and I wrote it in 10 minutes. Yes. Like it happens a lot. It's strange.
0: That happens to me too. And I, I remember having this conversation with somebody they had asked, you know, how do you come up with those, those ideas? How do you make those connections? and i was trying to explain that that's actually that's kind of the way that my brain works that's my inner dialogue and then i have to translate it into normal conversation so that people don't think i'm just really weird like i i acknowledge that i yes i wouldn't fit in in normal society if i didn't do that translation um right. but poetry is kind of a place where i can be free to just write it as it comes and I'm the same way. If I don't write it in that moment, I think I'll remember. I'd never remember. And it just. Yes. And then it kills you. You lose a poem. You know, it's it's lost Yes, forever. Yeah. um, It's good to always have (laughs) receipts, napkins, anything on hand. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So I was hoping that each of us could read a poem before we say good night or good day whenever you're listening to this. Um, Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: I will go first because once I hear you, (laughs) I might get a little nervous. So I'm just going to rip the band aid off and just, just dive in before I lose the gusto.
0: Okay. So what are you sharing with us today?
1: I, I think that I'll probably do one of my most popular ones. Um, it was published on the cover of Fathom, uh, It's called Angels Like Jazz. Mm. So I just referenced it, that I was reading a Billy Collins poem, and it was like late morning, and the sun was pouring on my leather couch in the back room. It's like our little music room, and I was listening to jazz, and it just came. So it is called Angels Like Jazz, and it's after Billy Collins' poem, Questions About Angels. Mm. Hopefully, I don't ruin my own poem. Here we go. Sometimes I wonder about angels too. I wonder like you if they have pulled up a chair, invisible and unannounced, and I am entertaining them with my coffee clouds in the late morning sun, unaware, as it spills light through the slits in the east window, or if they open their delicate hands to catch my tears as they slough off my jaw, when nobody sees or believes in my pain. And if they like my poems at all or not, I wonder about that too. Or if I am their cup of tea and might they (laughs) like me best or do they even like tea at all? (laughs) Like the sweet vanilla rubos on my nightstand that I never finish. And I wonder like you, what they might feel or if their wings are heavy or if they read my mail when it comes. And when I bend to tend my garden, I wonder if two little ones are with me to witness my tenderness and soft wishes for the lost generations that fell out of me too soon. And I hope angels like jazz like I do, particularly Billie Holiday and most definitely Blue Moon. So I hope they don't ever feel alone or lonely like I do, which are two different things, as you know. They must not, I think, because I suspect they have been the ones to give comfort with their soft breeze across my arm, I mistook for the wind, and that lovely presence in the shadows. Cast down from the sweet bay magnolia last May, I mistook for you. I suspect those were angels too, dancing among us, like old lovers at the piano bar, long after the music stops.
0: I was doing that thing where, <laughs> when I'm like reading a kids book at the end, and I'm trying not to cry, and so I'm like kind of looking up, of and like the right side of my jaw starts to twitch, but I'm trying to hold back tears. That's what was just happening. That was beautiful. Kimberly. It makes
1: me emotional. There are like layers of biographical tidbits in it, and so
0: I could, I could feel it, and I could, I could sense those. Those biographical tidbits, even though I don't know the full story behind each of yeah. them, It's just like so specific. Mm-hmm. The tea on the table, the bedside table, that you yeah. never.
1: Yeah, um, my husband loves to tease me about that. So it's it's kind of loosely written to him, you know. Um, to Billy Collins, it's it's like a collective you. And uh, my grandmother died of uh, me- breast cancer and metastasized well, metastasized when I was thirteen and i feel her with me and i wish that we could have known each other right now face to face but i know that she's looking down cuz she loved the lord she was a fierce woman so
0: mm-hmm. i love those fierce women
1: oh she was the best never let anybody feel like they didn't belong she would fuss over everybody and mm-hmm. make sure they all felt seen and loved and heard and and if people you know she wouldn't put up with back talk either <laughs> Yeah, no squabbling, you know, the New England, like tough, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's right. i going to love the heck out of you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so. That's right. Oh, yeah. we all, we all need a woman like that in our lives. Oh yeah. She was it. She was it for me. Thank you for sharing your poem. It was. Of course. So beautiful. And it was reminding me too of the poem that you shared this, this week, last week, I think on your sub stack. Um, yes.
1: That's kind of like the sister poem to this one.
0: And I loved that one too. I loved yeah. it. I loved your line and I'll let others go. They can go read it for themselves. But I loved the line about, you know, get you getting so involved in your conversation that you forgot about your tea steeping and the yes. angel gently reminding you. like Yes. Like a good angel would. Like a good angel would. I love that yes. line. It brought a huge smile to my face. Yeah. Yeah, so that
1: one is called "Entertaining Angels." It's actually going to be in "Of Wings and Dirt," and uh, I actually only wrote that the other day, and I, I'm slipping it in because I just feel like it needs to be in this collection. So, yeah, I beautiful, beautiful. Thank you.
0: The collection will be all the better for. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, but I want to hear yours. I'm curious which one you picked. Your, I take it you're doing one from your chat book, "The Shape I Take." <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. But I I haven't picked one yet. I like, as we've been going through, I'm like, which one am I going to do? I think I have a favorite, but I feel like I shouldn't say what my favorite is before people read it because I don't want want people to be biased, Um, (laughs) you know, preconceived notions going into it. Um, so I thought it would be fun to just start with the first poem. And the first poem is called the coming storm Mm. and just a little bit of context. The shape I take, um, is my, my poetry chapbook is I wrote it in real time. Um, starting a few days before Alden, our third child was born three months ago. Um, going through labor and delivery. Like there are some poems though that was one of those moments where I was like, I am having contractions, but okay, I have 90 seconds. Let me give me a piece of paper. Let me write something down.
1: Wow. I mean Um, I knew that you were writing through it, you know, but I didn't know you were literally writing through it.
0: I'm nerdy so
1: powerful.
0: Yes. I um it gave me something to focus on. Let's just say I just
1: wish you were local.
0: I know. We would (laughs) We would be able to do this weekly and then Mm. um, it would be really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I love, you know, when I'm going into something that's difficult or I know I'm going to experience pain, I'm like, well, I might as well use it and I'm going to make some (laughs) darn good poetry out of it. Oh, yeah. um, Wrote through the labor and delivery and then the first few weeks postpartum. um, Because in my past two – pregnancy, labor delivery, newborn stages. It was, it it was not easy. It was not Mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of experienced, I was facing this with some trepidation, trepidation, I would say. Um, and also a lot of anticipation and I wanted to capture that really emotionally charged time of, um, having a baby and, Mm -hmm. and like, I also didn't want it to be one of those writings on motherhood that makes it all seem P.J. Keen. Mm-hmm. And um, because I feel like we're doing a disservice to one another when we don't acknowledge, like, the full humanity of what we're going through. And um, I I just that – that is something I just believe so strongly. Like, I want to speak to other moms who – are like, this part is not beautiful. This part is really hard or I'm really scared. Or like one of my poems is talking about like holding my baby for the first time and and, and looking at his face and realizing like with birth always comes death. And Mm -hmm. how do I reconcile that as I'm looking into the eyes of my new baby, like that, Mm -hmm. like crushing weight of that realization. So that's kind of the essence of this chapbook. And um, the first poem is called The Coming Storm. And um, the day that I wrote this, I went to the beach and I was wildly pregnant, so uncomfortable. Alden was a t- almost 10-pound baby. So that explains probably why I was feeling so uncomfortable. And I was having like the prodromal labor, which if you're not familiar with this, it's purgatory. Um, And it's where you basically feel like you're in labor all the time, but nothing happens. And it happened for like a week, regular contractions. Every night I was like, tonight's the night. And then it was not. It was not. (sighs) And so on one of these prodromal labor days, I went to the beach and I just sat there and I just brought my notebook with me. And um, the forecast was for a huge storm. And there was talk about whether the storm um, was actually going to come and be like devastating, or if it was going to blow over. And so that's the that's the setting. Perfect and I picked metaphor. Is, I was like, "This is ripe for the picking." This metaphor. <laughs> and so, this is the coming storm, and it's written in. It's got four parts. So, um, part one: a storm is coming. They talk about it here, the women on the beach with the black lab who ambles and knows only now, but also the waves who will soon be given liberties to roar and rage and lap at boundaries. Today, they're a bull waiting for a kick in the side for the gates to fling wide, furies but a moment away. Seagulls squeak and nestle. I don't recognize such meekness from these chip barons. Who tells their bodies, beware? Two, today I am the woman in black. I didn't plan it this way, but I like the solidity, the continuity in a world about to be thrashed. My toes peek out pink in the sand. I don't know what to think of that. Three, the movements and yearnings that live in my womb are holy, holy mystery. What divinity lives there in the splitting and the shifting? My body knows that which I don't. A conspiracy to which my consciousness has not been invited. But a tightening whispers, prepare. Four. They say it may blow over. We steady ourselves just in case. The end. (laughs) I'm
1: snapping my fingers for you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's so good. So, so, so good.
0: Thank you. Seriously, I'm such a fan. (laughs) Thank you. You've read it before, so. Yes,
1: but it's different. It's always different when you hear the poet read it the very way that it came to them. Right, with the effect and the pacing and the drama. I I I know you know this. I like to close my eyes. Yes. And, and get lost in listening to them and, and envisioning it, you know. And oh, yeah.
0: so good. I am advocating for more just getting lost in poetry for mm-hmm. 2024.
1: A palm a day keeps the doctor
0: away, baby. That's right. <laughs> I'm doing that too. I am yeah. doing it this year. Um you know, t- uh, what are we on the 11th, 10, 10 days mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. have managed to do it so far, even though it has kept me up later than I like to be every single yeah. night. Cause I'm like, I will not go to sleep until this poem is on this, in this. Yes.
1: <laughs> For me, it's like either on, on the daily, I try to either read it, read a poem or, you know, a psalm, or actually write something you know, so as long as um, at some point in the day, and it only takes five minutes, like we have five minutes, we do right um, that you can either put a little ink on the page or that you can that you can read. So
0: that's right. It's I good for the
1: soul. It's good for the soul.
0: I'm constantly advocating for poetry, um, and I think that is just yet one more reason to love poetry. Is we may not all have time to delve into nine hundred page novels. Mm-hmm. Um, to read the latest book or even to listen to an audiobook. We might not have time for that, but none of us can make the excuse that we do not have time to read one poem a day. Exactly. Or to jot down yeah. even two lines. I
1: it's feel awesome. a team up coming, like a t shirt or something, like a, a poem a day keeps the doctor away kind of thing. I'm
0: here for it. I'm <laughs> here for it. All the poetry swag.
1: Yes. And I will <laughs> rock it in Carline, friend.
0: perfect perfect well we'll have a stay tuned everyone for our collaboration on poetry swag and yeah um kimberly this has been so lovely so refreshing um, absolutely
1: um
0: totally worth staying up past my bedtime to chat with you um thank
1: you for doing that for me
0: i i have really i truly though i've really enjoyed it and um i'm going to make sure in the show notes i will post links to, to you know the instagrams and the websites and all of those things the the writing the writing course that you have on your website i'll make sure to share all of those things so um any listeners who feel like your interest has been piqued in anything that we've talked about i will try to include that there for you and um thank you everybody for listening thank you kimberly and Who knows? Maybe we'll come back together um, later this year so we can resume this conversation. I would love that, truly. Well, until then, have a wonderful evening. Thank you. God bless. You too.